Curiosity Daily has been around for a long time. I mean, we've released more than a thousand episodes. And chances are, you haven't heard them all. Yeah, that's why today you're going to get an encore presentation of one of our most popular episodes. You know, to help you stay curious. This is one of my favorite episodes we've ever released. So I hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with a new episode Wednesday, but for now, I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about the two things that make science what it is with actual science guy, Bill Nye. Then you'll learn about a frog that has noise-canceling lungs and we'll answer a listener question about why your stomach growls when you're hungry. Let's satisfy some curiosity. What you're about to hear is, in my opinion, the most impactful segment you may ever hear on this podcast. It affected me. What can I say? You know how nobody really wants to admit when they're wrong? Well, scientists admit when they're wrong all the time. If you think of science as just cold, hard, unchanging facts, then you need to hear this clip from our conversation with science guy Bill Nye. He knows a lot of stuff, but nobody knows everything. So when we asked him, is there anything that you believe is true that other people don't or vice versa? Here's what he told us. I guarantee you there's something I am sure of that is wrong. Well, what is that, Bill? I don't know. Uh, but in the example of uh, genetically modified organisms or crops, I was really skeptical of it. I thought it was technology we don't need, this dangerous, we're messing with nature, we're causing trouble. But I spent some time with it and I completely changed my mind. I completely changed my mind. I think in order to feed nine or even 10 billion people, we're going to need thoughtfully modified crops. And if you're out there, if you can put vitamin B12 in a crop, whatever that is, sorghum, soybeans, corn, watercress, uh, it, uh, it would be a boon to humankind if you're out there. You know, when I was coming of age, it was for me, I grew up with the space program. It was all about physics and rockets and stuff. But if I were coming of age now, man, genetics, what's going on in genes, it's amazing. Why B12? Uh, that's the one, if you're a vegan, uh, you have to, oftentimes you have to get supplements or many vegan friends of mine, or vegetarian friends of mine, not even taking it that far, have had to get injections of B12. I mean, that seems catastrophic. Like, if you don't get the injection, you'll die kind of thing. Yeah. So um, if you could do that economically and give it access to everybody, it would be a heck of a thing. All right. Yeah. I remember when you when you changed your mind on GMOs. I was very impressed with, with you and being able to admit that. I had really know, good arguments the other way, though, man. They were really <laughs> thoughtful about the ecosystem and we don't know what we're going to do and there's no economic incentive and this is blah, blah, blah. But Changed my mind. <laughs> but that's so great. I think it's it maybe better that you had an opinion and changed your mind on it than that you were one way. Because that shows people they can change their mind too, right? Oh, man. So it's so important to change your mind, you guys. That's what science is all about. Everybody, science is two things. It's this body of knowledge. And the example I give everybody is the periodic table. Nice. Oh, my goodness. We figured out that there are all these elements with protons and all that stuff. But the main thing is it's a process. It's the way we know nature. It's the way we sort things out. And everybody starts out a scientist. You talk to any kid, they love science in elementary school. But then it just gets to be, there's, it gets to be, the modern word is fraught, weighed down with stuff and we, people lose their way, but, or lose their interest rather. But 
being able to change your mind is key. And here's another example, Pluto. This came up the other day in a meeting. Guys, Pluto, we used it because it's covered with frozen nitrogen. It's shiny, like it's literally shiny. And so people thought it was as big a planet as any other of the traditional, the eight traditional planets. But it's not. It's this. It's smaller than the Earth's moon, uh, it, and and its orbit is not in the same plane as the solar system. It's a captured object from or captured. It's an object that's orbiting for those objects closer to the sun than many of the other so-called Oort cloud or Kuiper belt objects. So it's different. Pluto is not one of the traditional planets. And you talk to a modern kid in school, they have no trouble with that. Okay. Eight traditional planets and then the Pluto-like things, the Plutoids, the Kuiper Belt, the uh, dwarf planets. Okay, cool. But there are people who say, oh, when I was young, Pluto was a planet and everything sucks and scientists suck and everything. You're all stupid. <laughs> things change, man. We learn more about Pluto. It's this other different cool thing. Let's embrace that instead of running in circles pretending that scientists are mean. <laughs> and not to mention like tons of stuff that we all learned in science class in elementary school is different now. But Pluto Can you think of an example, Ashley? Can you come up with something? Well, it might it might have actually already been a thing, but I did a I did a dinosaur report on Dimetrodon in third grade and Dimetrodon is not a dinosaur. It is, it is a reptilian, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So everybody, (laughs) they, they, we, it, people have given it more thought and now everybody is sure Darwin suspected it in his, I guess his sixth edition that dinosaurs were birds, rather birds were dinosaurs. And Dimetrodon, Dimetrodon is this animal that, uh, ancient animal that looks a lot dinosaurical, but, after giving it deep thought, he decided it's in a different clad, a different tree, family tree. And that's not bad. It's cool. Come on. It's cool. We learn. And by the way, apparently all the ancient dinosaurs had feathers or they had the, the, the roots of feathers. Like, you know, you have sparse hair on some parts of your body and thick hair on other parts. And so uh, talk about changing your worldview of the ancient world. Man, feathers on everybody. Tyrannosaurus rex was had feather had feathers. Well, that's not very scary. Well, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> that's the way it was. And by the way, everybody's running around right now trying to understand what dark matter is. I will not be surprised if in the next 30 years somebody figures out what it really is and does something with it. You know, like relativity. My grandparents didn't know anything about relativity. Now your phone needs relativity. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Like Bill Nye said, science is two things. Yes, it's a body of knowledge, but it's also a process. It's the way we know nature, the way we sort things out as humans. So the next time you hear that our understanding of something has radically changed, whether it's the existence of a planet or what we know about a virus like COVID-19, stop and step back for a minute and try to appreciate that you're seeing science working the way it's supposed to. Again, that was Bill Nye, and you can find links to pick up his latest book or listen to his podcast, Science Rules, in today's show notes. For a tree frog, being able to hear the calls of potential mates is incredibly important. But female tree frogs have a tiny problem. Noise. They have to be able to pick out the best call from a cacophony of noise. This is no easy task. Their solution? 
Noise-canceling lungs. Scientists call this the cocktail party problem, and it's one we're all familiar with. It's tough to have a conversation at a party when the music, the ice machine, and the voices of the other guests drown out the person you're trying to focus on. Female green tree frogs deal with this problem all the time. They listen for the calls of their ideal mate, but he's easily drowned out by the calls of other species and just general background noise. Luckily for the lady tree frog, she can tune everything else out by taking a deep breath. When her lungs are inflated, they press against her eardrums. That changes their acoustic properties. Her eardrums become less sensitive to the calls of other species by dampening any unnecessary frequencies, which effectively tunes them out. When the researchers measured the frequencies that the frog's eardrums responded to, they found that the effect is much more nuanced than it would be if she simply plugged her little frog ears. They used lasers to measure the frequencies at which the frog's eardrums vibrated and at what intensity. And they found that the effect was less like turning down the volume knob on your stereo and much more like turning down the bass and treble. The frequencies left unaltered are the frequencies the male tree frogs typically use in their calls. The researchers think that the frog's lungs might act as a resonance chamber. They may create frequencies that destructively interfere or cancel out certain other frequencies. That's pretty much how noise-canceling headphones work. The researchers then looked at citizen science data to find out which frog species breed at the same ponds as the green tree frogs in their study. They found that the frequencies most dampened were the ones that the other species tend to use. So when there's a chorus of frogs all competing for attention, female green tree frogs can take a deep breath and the other calls just fade into the background. We got a listener question from Safin in Lisbon, Portugal, who writes, Why does our stomach growl when we are hungry? Is hunger the only cause of the sound? Great question. Technically, your stomach doesn't only growl when it's hungry. It also growls when it's full. See, the muscle contractions that cause that growling are happening all the time. The noise is just louder on an empty stomach. Those muscle contractions are a digestive mechanism called peristalsis, and they're what help your food travel through the gastrointestinal system. After a meal moves down your esophagus, it sits in your stomach, which churns it up and breaks it down with digestive acids. Next, the food heads into the small intestine, which adds enzymes that help your body absorb the nutrients. Then it moves on to the large intestine. Peristalsis happens in every one of these organs, just in different lengths and frequencies. In the esophagus, the contractions come in one long wave that lasts about nine seconds. In the small intestine, it happens more randomly, a few inches or centimeters here, a few feet there, all at about eight to 10 contractions per minute. Peristalsis in the stomach depends on whether it's full or empty. When it's empty, contractions happen about three times per minute, and usually multiple contractions happen at different places in the stomach. When it's full, those contractions get softer and slower, but they don't stop altogether. That food has to leave the stomach eventually, after all. That's one reason you don't hear as much grumbling when you're full. Another reason? The same as why tapping on an empty tin can makes more noise than a full one. Food muffles the sound, but a stomach full of nothing but air helps the sound travel. Thanks for your question. 
Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today. Starting with the fact that Bill Nye says that science is two things. It's a body of knowledge, but even more importantly, it's a process. And being able to change your mind is key. It's important to embrace the new things we learned because learning new things is cool. Like, for example, Pluto is not a planet and that is not the end of the world. It actually is literally the end of a world because Pluto is not a planet anymore. I think it can still be a world if it's not a planet. Sure, that's fair. (laughs) Hey, listen, if you ever share one episode of Curiosity Daily, please let it be this one. I, I mean, I don't know about you, Ashley. I just when I listened back to this clip from our conversation, it like it actually changed my life, kind of just the way. He explains like how good learning new things is and and also like just how normal it is for people younger than us to just have a different reality and how totally okay that is. Like it's totally fine. It really resonated with me. Like there's just, there are a lot of things happening in the world and changing in the world. And there are a lot of people that are so upset about it. And if we just all had this attitude of like, look how cool everything is now, then like there'd be so much less conflict. This is the key to world peace. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm being a little hyperbolic, but like it kind of is. I mean, I know, I know I said this in the clip, but like if you asked me one thing that I remember Bill Nye for, I mean, besides coming home after junior high and watching his show after school every day, which I totally did. The other thing would be him changing his mind on GMOs. I was so impressed and so happy when he did that. And It's just such a good example to set for everybody else. Agree. We also learned that female tree frogs have noise-canceling lungs, so they can zero in on potential mates. Their lungs press against their eardrums when fully inflated, and that basically tunes out the frequencies of other species. Wow. We also learned that your stomach growls when you're hungry because of peristalsis. That's a process that helps your internal organs move food through your system. And it makes basically all of the organs in your digestive system growl. But your stomach contracts more often when it's empty, so you hear it more. And when you're full, you hear it less because those contractions get softer. Yeah, I feel like that's one big part of like partnered life, especially during the pandemic. Just like overhearing your partner's weird stomach gurgles when you're sitting next to each other. I don't know about you. (laughs) Not going to comment on my wife's stomach gurgles on a podcast. That seems <laughs> that seems like dangerous territory. <laughs> that is fair. I don't think my my own oh, say it. My husband Ho! would care. So I'm saying it. <laughs> there you go. Today's stories were written by Cameron Duke and Ashley Hamer and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Today's episode is produced and edited by Cody Goff. Have a great weekend and change your mind about something. Be like a scientist. Just please don't change your mind about joining us again to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.